Alright, this is Sawyer Racanelli. This is Jared Duvalco. I'm Hunter Abrams with Ridgefield Football, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Full Circle, Circle Podcast, Podcast 360 with 360 Prep. Prep. This is the Full Circle Podcast with 360 Preps. I am your host, Joshua Hart. I am here with Preps reporter Meg Wachnick. On today's episode, we're going to talk playoff football, uh, some forfeits around the state for Week 10 football action, and a big state volleyball move from Lacey to Ellensburg. So that's what's on tap for Episode 12 of the Full Circle Podcast. All right, Meg, let's talk let's start with playoff football. What makes playoff football so intriguing, so exciting for for fans, for reporters, for players? What makes this time of the year special? Well, for me as a member of the media and, and for you as well, now we're going to find out champions are made, champions are crowned. We're getting into the heart of the season for us. Essentially, it's 5 weeks of football from here on out when you count the week 10 state preliminary rounds. Um, and it's loser out. You win, you move on. You lose, you're done. So that's what makes it exciting for me. Right, and th- that's the thing is we, we always say that we cover, you know, the, the players and, and that sort of thing is is you get to see that emotion come out every single game. You know, there's no game where you're, you're done at the end and you're going to interview people and they're like, yeah, we won. You know, th- that doesn't exist from here on out. Correct. And, and uh, you get to see the, the joy and the heartbreak and all of it. And, and, I mean, that's what makes sports fun in general. And now we get it every week. So yeah. uh, it should be a good, exciting uh, postseason. Um, I think that there's some good teams that, that have a chance to go far. We'll see how deep into November or even December we're covering things. But uh, we got a basketball tab to worry about coming up. That's too. true. No, it, <laughs> and when you look at it, it's, gosh, this is week 10 is essentially just like your average run-of-the-mill regular season week. We, we still got 13 teams playing, yeah. 13 games. So a couple of repeat games uh, as far as teams facing off for the second time this right. year, and we'll get into those obviously there in the podcast. But, yeah, this is go time for us. Right, right. Anyway, let's let's play some deal or no deal. There, there's a couple couple big topics this week. I want to know your thoughts on them. Let's start with Prairie's first league title since 1992. They beat Evergreen 42 to 14 in Week Nine to seal their playoff spot and a league championship. Deal or no deal? That's a big deal. That's a big deal for this program. And, and congratulations to Mike Peck and the rest of the Falcons. And they did it pretty convincingly. That was a game that you were at, 42-14 to 14 over Evergreen, holding Evergreen's offense out of the end zone. Zyle Griffin's um, two touchdowns came on special teams. But this is a big deal for a program that traditionally hasn't had the success in the win-loss column, hasn't had the success that some other sports at Prairie have had at the state level. So this is a big deal for them. And they have a good matchup facing – a tough capital team out of Olympia and, and a chance to move on to the round of 16. I think it's a favorable matchup and, uh, and a big deal for the and, Falcons. And Pe- Peck was so excited. All the players were so excited. But I think what made that win even more special than just winning that league title was how good they looked doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just played a perfect ball game. Defensively, they just shut down. I mean, everything – that Evergreen only had 116 yards. This and is that's a, crazy with that offense as good as I mean, Evergreen's offense. It's a high-powered yes. offense, and they just shut it down. I mean, they, they didn't they didn't get over 100 yards until late in the fourth quarter, and and offensively they were just able to exert their will. They only had 28 yards passing, and yet they were consistently moving the ball on the ground, eight, almost eight yards a carry. They, I that was my first time seeing Prairie this year, and. 
they were the best team outside of Camus and Skyview I've seen. I mean, they were really, really, really good. That's an impressive group to be part of when yeah. you're talking about Camus and Skyview. That's an impressive group. Yeah. And and shout out, I'm gonna, I, Mike Peck, I know you're listening because you listen to this podcast, but he put out a stat over the weekend, and it saved us from doing some work. So Prairie averages as a 3A state best 42 points per game. you got to look at who else is in 3A, right? O'Day, Eastside Catholic, Lakes, Bethel, some top five quality programs. And here's Prairie, again, a team not traditionally known in the state ranks, Averaging a state best in points. Well, and what's even crazier about that, they're not like a high-octane spread offense either. Mm-hmm, right. they, they they start by running the ball, and that means less possessions, less clock, all of those things, and they're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. So hats off to that squad. I'm really excited to see what they can do. I think I think hands down they, they were the best team in the 3A GSHL this year from the, te- the teams I saw play and, and play against each other. And um, – yeah, that, that's just a really solid group this year and, and uh, really excited to see what they do. The other big thing is is an issue that, that that's nagged me all year. We're going to take about 15 minutes on your soapbox on this, right? I know what's coming. I, I am. But first I'm going to ask you whether it's a big deal or uh, not. Is Ilwaco forfeited their Week 10 playoff game to the two-time defending 2B champions, Kalama? They cited uh, – Safety concerns and lack of numbers as their as their reasons in a story on, on Scorebook Live today was they they were gonna have to start four freshmen and they didn't feel like that was that was a, a good thing to put them in that position against a team like Kalama. Is this a big deal or not a big deal? It's a big deal and I'll say this, it's a disappointing deal. When I learned of this, you and I spoke Sunday talking about this and um, I'll say why it's it's disappointing. This is a playoff game. This is playoff football. And how, as as the administration and as a coaching staff, can you look your players in the eye and saying, guys, hey, it's great that we made it, but we're not going to play a playoff football game. That's what's disappointing to me. You, What are you working all year for, right? You're working to get to the stage. I cannot imagine what the Owaco football players, the fishermen, are feeling right now. I understand that they're down in numbers. I understand – that there's issues maybe outside of their control, but that is very disappointing to see out on the coast. And it's 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 not just a numbers game. They I mean they said that they would have enough to field a team. If this was hey we got a bunch of injuries, we had some guys not meet grades, we had some guys drop out, whatever, right? And now we only have eleven guys, and that we don't want to play with eleven guys. That's fine. But they're saying we could play. We would just have to start four freshmen. Then start four freshmen. It's a playoff game. Then start game. four freshmen. That's what that's what bothers me as well. Is I don't understand the gravity of it. Put put those ninth graders in. What a great moment for them. Right. That you're taking away from them now. Right. And and the thing, I could see you know there's being some safety issue, but you're a playoff team, right? You're a playoff team. Let's play playoff football. If you are good enough to make the playoffs, you're not gonna. You, you might go out there. I've seen some playoff games, especially at the 2B level, that are like 50-0 to zero at halftime. Mm-hmm. But those teams played the game. Right. They played with 15, 16 guys. This is 2B football. Kalama's probably only got 25, 28 guys pro- maximum. And, and they're not going, oh, you know, we might be low on numbers. You know, that it's not like some big discrepancy where you're like, oh, uh, we're Aberdeen and Kelso has 100 guys on the sideline and we got – 14 and there's big safety issues right 
This this is a playoff game. So now we've we forfeited non-league games this year. We've forfeited league games, and now we're forfeiting playoffs. Is championship games next? I mean, yeah. is that? What are, I mean, what that, are we that's doing? the train that we're on I right mean, now. What are we doing? I as I texted you on on Monday, I said I said what are we doing? Let's just uh, let's get rid of leagues. Let's get rid of week ten, right? And just have teams schedule whoever the heck they want for 10 games. Have the seating committee seat them wherever. You get nice competitive games. The seating committee can pick whoever 16 teams they want. And then we'll seat them that way. What, I mean, what are we doing here? Right. Let, let, let me ask you this. I want to ask you this. If Ilwaka wasn't playing Kalama, the two-time defending state champions, ready for a three-peat, would they have forfeited this game? No way. Okay. There's no way. And And – I mean, Kalama has beaten Ilwaco in the past, in the in recent memory, pretty badly, but it's a playoff game. Who cares if you get beat bad? You made the playoffs. Your reward is you get to play football. What does it say to the freshman? Hey, you're part of this team. That's what the coach is probably saying to them all year. Hey, you're part of this team. Whether you're cheering on the sideline, whether you're scout team in practice, you're part of this. You helped us get to this stage. Oh, we have some injuries though, and we don't feel comfortable with you playing. Are, are they part of the team or not? Right. Let them play. And and the thing about it too is Sean McDonald knows when to pull off the dogs, right? He's he's gonna he's gonna go score thirty five on them, forty points in the first half. You're talking about the Clement head coach, right? And, and, and you're gonna score forty points in the first half, and he's gonna throw his second and third stringers on there. I've seen him do this week ten, you know, the last four or five years for Clement. They beat their week ten opponent. 50 to 6, 50 to 14, you know, they're up 35 at the half. Right. They're respectful about it. They celebrate the, their own accomplishments. They say good game to the other team. They throw in some second stringers, third stringers. What have I always said? You only get a limited amount of games right. to play. Right. And, and you're taking away a, a game from not only your own guys who have a chance to play playoff football. They might not get that chance in future years. There's no guarantee, but you're also taking it away from the other team and saying, hey, you don't get another chance to, to make a statement to the seating committee. You don't get another chance to play football. You you just have to sit and wait. And and that's just – it's aggravating to me. It's frustrating. I don't I don't understand it. Do you remember back in the basketball season, I believe it was the, the final regular season week, I think, of the 2B boys basketball schedule and between – I think it was North Beach and another team and, and the district – ADs or the school ADs decided to not let those teams in the postseason and they let the teams behind them in the standings get in. Yes. What about this scenario here? What about the team that finishes behind Ilwaco? All of a sudden, yeah, why you're can't... eliminating another team potentially of getting into the postseason. Yeah. I understand this decision was made on a Monday. It's it's too late, but if you're Ilwaco, you probably knew last week going in that you were not sitting pretty as far as whether right. or not you're going to play a Week 10 and game. And to be fair, the other teams in that Pacific Division uh, uh, or the Coastal Division of the, the Southwest 2B League mm -hmm. are, wouldn't have much success against Kalama. But that's beside but, the point. But the thing, why not offer it up? Yes. So Iwako say, hey, we don't feel comfortable making that drive to go play Kalama. I'm guessing part of it has to do with it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to go play Kalama. True. If it was if it was forty minutes, if Kalam was forty minutes away, I think they make that drive. I don't understand why not. So, but you and I, you and I could talk about this for a long it, time. It is it is so frustrating. I I I can't believe it. It's happening. Um, 
I, I'm frustrated. I'm 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 upset for for Kalama's side. I'm upset for the Iwako players. I I don't get it. It's disappointing. It is so without a doubt. I hope this trend doesn't continue. I thought it was a, oh a, a league issue, a non league issue. Now now it's, it's a, a postseason problem. Yeah. Now no. it's a postseason problem. What if okay Odessa right the 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 future one B champion this year. Yeah. Let's just make that call right now <laughs> who, because it's who, going to who happen. Beat a like the second seeded team. What what was it ninety two to, to six? Yes. Does does let's say let's say you know they have to play Nacelle in the championship game. Does Nacelle look at that score and say, I don't think we have any chance. Not to if Jeff Eaton's still the head coach, that ain't happening. <laughs> Jeff Eaton said, bring it on. That's You're what right. I, we, you and I both know Jeff very well. The longtime head coach out at Nacelle. And yeah, it doesn't matter the opponent. Right. doesn't matter the history. Bring it on. Right. Is what they would the say. years of Bellevue power, right? When Bellevue was just smoking teams. Right. Do you, did anybody consider nope. forfeiting a playoff game to Bellevue? Nope. Sad. Anyway. Final, deal or no deal. State Volleyball has made a big move. Scheduling conflict has forced State Volleyball out of St. Martin's University. It is now in Ellensburg at Central Washington mm. University. Deal? That's a that's a big deal. And, and we're kind of going back to the whole disappointment problem with, with these forfeits. This has been scheduled for a year out. And all of a sudden now... A week and a half, basically, nine, ten days before the tournament, you're making the decision that, oh, my gosh, St. Martin's can't can't host the facility. How did they find out this late? I don't know. Basketball, Marcus Pavilion has been a tremendous site for, for that tournament in Lacey. There are no men's and women's basketball conflicts. There are no volleyball conflicts. You and I try to do a little digging and see maybe on their academic calendar there's something that's being hosted at Marcus Pavilion. We can't find anything. So whatever the problem is, now you're sending the tournament to Ellensburg, which it's it was played there back in 99 and 2000. There has been a history of it being at Nicholson Pavilion. But you're eliminating, you're going down from three courts to two. That's, that's my biggest that's, issue. And that's a issue. schedule problem, yes. People are going to be playing at midnight. And um, all of a sudden now you're shifting everybody to the central part of the state. For, for 48 hours. Have we checked on if there's enough hotels to accommodate teams in Ellensburg? Probably I'm not. You're through Ellensburg. I don't know if there's enough buildings to accommodate a state tournament. I mean, you're 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 better off just staying in Yakima. So I, I understand this is probably a one-year deal, and and the WI had made inquiries with other venues statewide, right. and, and and I don't necessarily blame the WIA for this. No. I don't know what happened. So part of me is like I don't I don't understand how this comes up this late in the process. Right. But this I mean this is going to be a huge deal for fans, parents, teams, reporters. I have been on a number of state championship volleyball venues covering state title teams locally across the state, and you're right, a title match doesn't start until after ten o'clock. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Right now, the schedule mat, this title match, for example, is scheduled to start at seven thirty. There is no way. There is way. no way it's going to be thrown off track by a number of five set matches earlier in the day. Everything's going to be pushed back. I bet by noon. Mark my word. Right. By noon, I the mean, first day they'll be off schedule. I've been I've been at three court volleyball venues, the Yakima Sundome for mm-hmm. for two B's before, and they didn't start that title game. There's three courts. Keep in mind, they didn't start that title game till after nine o'clock. It was also scheduled a, for seven. This is a deal. This is a big deal. 
Why is everything on Deal or No Deal for us a big deal? It, it seems like everything that we talk about, yeah, it's a big deal. So I'm waiting for something that you pull you, up and say, it's eh, not like, a big deal. I mean, you want me to just like pull a random like factoid? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Everything but, that we, we discuss happens to be a big deal on this segment. There, it, it's for talking points, Meg. Right. It's for talking points. But no, I, I you know, the, the team I think this this really affects, Ridgefield Volleyball, which, which could very well go on to win a state title this year. Mm-hmm. Repeat as state champions. Right. Their fans now, their parents, that venue is going to be – there's going to be less fans over there, right? It's going to make it harder logistically on some parents to make it over there. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to start till 10 o'clock or later, right. that championship game. And who knows what I-90 is going to be like by the time we, we talk about this this yeah. time next week. I mean, yeah. you never know. I mean, it's already what? It's supposed to be down to 36 degrees tonight. What is it like in the passes? Mm, probably below freezing. I'd be wi- I'd be worried about you know some grandparents and stuff not making it over there. Right, and that that's disheartening. I can't think of a Clark County venue that could host state volleyball right now. So I guess maybe Ellensburg is our best bet. And that's the thing is is that might be the best venue. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to know what what happened. Right, and and I'm sure I'm sure we will find out in due time. Right. We will find out. So, anyway, speaking of of some volleyball teams we haven't touched a lot on some of the other sports outside of football so um let's let's talk about some of the teams you see making a playoff run our podcast comes out once a week there's a lot of moving parts unlike football that that happen throughout the week soccer plays multiple times in a week volleyball plays multiple times in a week but who are some of the volleyball teams you can see making a deep postseason run this year i was at ridgefield columbia river it's the second time that i've seen both those teams play and it would be a shock to me if both of those teams did not come back with a state trophy. Ridgefield looks awfully, awfully good. Columbia River gave them a very good competitive match. Both sides thought that it was a great match for them to get into district tournament, challenging each other equally. But Ridgefield with Delaney Nichols, she's head to Idaho. She's our reigning all-region player of the year. That team's awfully good. They do just everything right. They're very technically sound. And Columbia River, while they lack maybe some size at the net, they also are a very technically sound team. Those two teams, I believe, definitely will come home with state trophies from Ellensburg. The 2A GSHL has had a lot of success in recent memory. Yeah, you look tournament. the last four or five years, we've had a number of teams play for state championships. Woodland a couple of years ago under Jeff Nesbitt. Right. So um, that that that's kind of the the 2A. What about the 1A? Does Kingsway Christian, who went undefeated in Trico play, have a chance to go deep? Castle Rock made a run last year. Is is Kingsway the team out of the Trico to do it this year? I do too. Yeah, undefeated, 16 and 0 going into the the dis, the 1A district tournament, which started Wednesday up at La Center. This is a team that's had some Im- impressive victories. The one thing that concerns me is just maybe their challenge of a schedule. Um, but we're, we're going to find out. No team has really challenged Kingsway Christian this year. They've gone a couple of, of beyond three setters uh, in their schedule. But this is the team that traditionally has reached the state tournament before, but just maybe not made that hump. And we all know that um, there's some tremendous private 1A schools that usually make a, a pretty good run right. and the take Linden home a lot Chris, of those trophies. The yes. Christians of the world. Yes. yes. Um, what about 3A or 4A? Is, is a team like, uh, you know, Camus or, or Kelso a, a team to watch this postseason? I think Kelso has, has surprised me the most. Prairie took them to, to four sets and beat them in a pretty competitive match out at Brush Prairie a couple weeks ago. But uh, Skyview, Camus, I think it depends maybe on how they do at the bi-district tournament. It's a different setup this year. They're going to have about a week off in between the end of the regular season 
and it started by districts and a lot can change and maybe that week off for some of these these uh, 4a and 3a teams right um to get into some of the soccer uh you know one of those those schools that you mentioned also has a pretty good soccer program the columbia river girls soccer team really took it to washugal uh five to one the other day in the first round of districts and they're a team that that is just loaded i mean they, they just have so many talented players and they have the star power too the Yanesi uh, Rodriguez is just a phenomenal player. She plays in the attack. She plays in the midfield. She plays defender. I, I think she's played every position this year but goalkeeper, and, and she's just that talented. Um, she can she can do it all. But they they have so many weapons there. They're so good on set pieces. Um, I wonder if they're a little too reliant sometimes on set pieces. But this is a team that knows how to turn on the playoff playoff gear. Philly Finnegas does a great job with all of his all of his teams come playoff time. They're a team that I would expect to be in the final four. Um, I don't know if they're a state championship team, but I definitely expect to see them in the final four. The other team I'm kind of interested in this postseason is Mountain View. Uh, Olivia Fothergill is a phenomenal forward. Um, she's an Oregon commit, and uh, she just finds a way to get get the ball on the net and she's she's so good teams double teamer and triple teamer and and she still finds a way uh but I, I don't know they're 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 somewhat of a young team as well they're they're new they Dustin Johnson just took over that program this year uh I don't know how far they go as far as 3A competition but they're certainly a team I'm gonna keep my eye on so those are kind of the two teams that stand out to me as far as uh girls soccer goes okay And uh, now we'll get back to kind of playoff football. Uh, your favorite segment, Meg, three to C. It's kind of hard picking this week because I think we're going to see a lot of lopsided matchups this week. I would have to agree with you on that, yes. So three games. What are your three? Let's go. Let's start with Capital Prairie. All right. This is You used to cover Capital. I did. Capital, back when I was up in Olympia, made a stretch of three state final runs in a six-year period under J.D. Johnson, who uh, I believe last check is on the Black Hills coaching staff now under Kirk Stevens. So a um, little interested to see. I don't know much about Capital now. I've, I've been out of Olympia now for four years, an entirely new coaching staff. They used to run the spread. They were a heck of a team. And now I don't know much about <laughs> – I, I will say this. They're, they're the same school colors as Prairie. Oh. Gold and maroon. So there you go. <laughs> this this might be one of the first uh, playoff games in a while that's been at District Stadium, and I think that's what's going to be really exciting for for Prairie is to host a, a you know Week Ten playoff game. Yeah, you got to remember last year that when they reached the postseason, uh, they were on the road playing Lincoln out of Tacoma in the Week Ten game. So it's going to be a great atmosphere. I know Prairie traditionally has drawn well this season at home, and uh, should be a, a great time for for rooting for Prairie to try to get to the round of right. 16. I, I think I think they have a really good shot. I, I think they, they handle capital pretty well, and that run game continues to thrive. That defense continues to thrive. I'd expect to see Prairie make a statement to the seating committee in their last chance to do so. Okay. Uh, uh, well, we do, wait, hang on. Score predictions, are we doing those? Ooh, okay. All we right. can do a score prediction. Okay. Uh, I'll say 42... 10 prairie okay i'll go uh 38 14 prairie all right that's that sounds about right uh second game on the schedule uh washugal wf west of chehalis 7 p.m friday in chehalis you... a team that i will always refer to as chehalis by the way not wf west let's just get that out of the way 
Uh, yeah, this is the, the, the game that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. This is the kind of the second go around. These two teams faced off in week four. It was 23 to seven Chehalis at Bearcat stadium. But if you remember, right. And if you're Washougal fans listening to this, Dalton Payne did not play at quarterback. Brevin B was essentially used in that wildcat formation. And that was a game that, uh, Peter Boylan, uh, had a, uh, helmet to helmet hit and, and was ejected in that game and did not play that ensuing week against Ridgefield. So you got to think at full strength or fuller strength for the Panthers. I really like their chances against the Bearcats. I really do. And it's been quite a number of years since Washougal has made the round of 16. Up until 2016, this school hadn't made the week 10 preliminary round in a decade. So this would be a big deal if the Panthers can squeak by Chehalis. And this was their goal at the start of the season. I remember uh, going out to one of their – it might have been just a summer summer workout type of thing and talking with some of the guys. And uh, they, they wanted this – they wanted to be at State. They, they, they've had some injuries that have really kind of set back their season at certain points this year. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that, that is super talented. And uh, if they're going to lean on Brevin B – you know, I, I trust that guy to, to get it done. So. It is, and, and he's actually the focus of our Week 10 prep football feature. Uh, Dave Hajek, longtime coach at Washougal, this is actually his third stint as head coach. He gave a great compliment about B. Uh, of those of you who are familiar with Clark County football, the name Nathan Shepard, he rushed for over 5,000 yards in his four-year career before graduating in 1997. He puts B right up there as one of the best players to ever come out of Washougal football, but on the defensive side. This is the second year in a row he's led the Panthers in tackles. He's not a big guy. When you look at him, he's about six feet tall, maybe 195, 200 pounds. But just he, he has that knack for the ball, a nose for the ball. He's averaging 12 tackles a game. Right. Pretty impressive for a guy who goes both ways. And I remember talking to him in, in preseason, and they the, last season in some of the practices – Washougal coaches were challenging other guys get to tackle the guy before B does like can you get to the ball before Brevin because it's very hard to do even if that's the goal is hey beat Brevin to that tackle it's still a challenge because he has such a nose for the ball and he's so good at finding it and getting to it quickly Um, I think it'll be a good game I think it'll be a really good game I do too and and it's funny you mentioned about trying to beat be the ball I don't know who else can can get to the ball before Brevin two weeks ago when they played Hawkinson uh in week eight I swear the PA announcer every other tackle play he was saying Brevin B it's just amazing really what he does so it's, it's fun to watch him play and and I like the Panthers chances in this one score prediction oh boy I'm gonna go uh 21-17 Washougal Okay, I I'm still gonna lean Shahelas. Okay, I I, I, I know injuries have been part of the problem of their inconsistency, but I like Shahelas by an edge in this one. Um, can I say thirty-five, thirty-one? High scoring affair. All right. So yeah, I think it'll be probably the best game of the week, most competitive. The last game uh, on the schedule that we're going to highlight today is Federal Way versus Skyview uh, at Kiggins Bowl, 7 o'clock Friday. This one actually might be a really interesting 4A battle. Uh, Federal Way is 8-1 and one coming into this one. Skyview, uh, most recent competitive game uh, was against Camus in Week 8, and uh, they certainly looked good in the second half of that one, and more importantly came out of it pretty healthy compared to some of the other local teams in the, the around the area. 
What what do you make a, a Skyview's chances in, in this one as they as they host Federal Way? I do. I, I like this one. I actually think it's gonna be a high scoring affair. I'm gonna I'm just gonna say the score prediction now. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go thirty four twenty one Skyview. I like what they're doing on offense. They've been pretty consistent for the most part all season on offense. Yard Devalco is having a heck of a year at quarterback. Um, and I want to see just how good this defense is going to be against a federal way team that's had some pretty lopsided scores of their eight victories this year. Yeah, I mean, just look at the federal way schedule. You know, 42 to 7, uh, 34 to 7, 35 13, 35 16, 41 14, 49 13. Their only losses to Beamer 34 31. I, I would worry about Federal Way being tested at all. You know, right. they haven't faced a team like Skyview yet. Right. And, and Skyview has had some real tough opponents. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would I would say Skyview is probably a little bit more prepared for this one going into it. And like I said, I think importantly, a lot of teams are beat up right now, and it seems Skyview is pretty healthy. Yeah. When you look at all of Clark County, there's been just a rash of, of horrific season-ending injuries the last couple of weeks. We touched on Peyton Brammer last week. Um, Aiden Hunt at Richfield, he broke his tib-fib against Hawkinson last week to end his season. But, yeah, I think the injury bug has stayed away from the storm thus far. So, yeah, I I like Skyview's chances. Um, I would agree that they're able to put up a lot of points. I would say um, 42-21 Skyview. So that's going to be – a wrap uh, for our episode 12 of the Full Circle Podcast. Uh, we're going to be all over the place this week between uh, playoff soccer, playoff volleyball, playoff football. So make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And you, as always, you can find all of our content on 360preps.com. And then we will be back next week for uh, some state football action. If you quit once, it becomes a habit. Never quit. Michael Jordan.